Good morning. And if I don't get to say this in person, I wish you and those dear to you the most blessed and joyous Christmas in 2023. I also take this opportunity to thank all who serve at Gateway to bring such relevant and Christ-centred messages to us each week, from our comms team and our production and online team, through to our pastors and teachers, you're such a blessing to us all. A special thanks to our teaching pastor, Marcy Painter, who leads our speaking team, which includes now our good friends, Pastor Mark Pomery from Elevate Church and Pastor Bin Nguyen from Sun Life Church. Both these guys are from Western Australia. You make us better at spreading the gospel of Jesus and in helping our church grow in faith. So thank you for your gifted teaching. Speaking of gifts, what do you give the person who has everything? Or put another way, as Christmas is a celebration of Jesus' birth, what do we give him as a gift? I mean, I know the coming of Jesus is God's great gift to all humanity, but think about it. What can you give Jesus for his birthday that he really wants and that only you can give? Hmm. And in case you're struggling here, I don't think Santa's socks is on his list. I'm also presuming that even those of you on the tighter end of the money scale would not re-gift anything to the King of Kings, right? Well, a small segue first. If you're not yet committed to following Jesus, you can start following him and give him your heart and your devotion. And, And you can do that right now, today. For you are the reason Jesus came to dwell amongst us humans. Yep, to tell us personally, you and me, that he loves us and wants a relationship with us. That's the point of Christmas. But for all current Christ followers, the answer you're looking for as to what gift to give Jesus can be plainly seen in the scriptures, especially in the first Christmas event. In Matthew 2, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, now these are also referred to as astrologers or magi or kings or priests from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Tradition reminds us about this event, most often seen in nativity sets, maybe like this one here, where we've got Joseph, Mary and the little baby Jesus, and we've got some shepherds and some assortment of sheep. And then we've got these three guys who come with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And of course, if, you know, I'm a grandpa, so sometimes in my house, we might often see a random uh, Mario uh, being included in the nativity. We also see nativity scenes like this one on Christmas cards and sing about them in Christmas carols. By the way, the three kings that brought Jesus gold, frankincense and myrrh are actually not numbered in the Bible. It's presumed that there are three because there were three gifts mentioned, but there could have been 30. I mean, they could have had a whole entourage with them. We simply don't know. What we do know is that the wise men traveled a long, long way to see Jesus, to worship him. Now, through modern church eyes, we might see 
worship a different way and imagine the Magi bringing their own band, you know, backing vocalists, guitars and drum kit and singing cool songs to Jesus. But in biblical times, whilst there may well have been chanting, there wasn't a church congregation yet. That is, if you exclude the millions of angels present. In the original Greek translation of the Gospels, the word for worship is proskuneo, meaning to bow down, to kneel or lay flat on your face in total adoration. So how does this inform our faith today? It says that worship is more than singing. It's to be all in. It's a full court press or in AFL speak, it's man on man. That is, you know, to close off the options, leave nothing in reserve and to give your best. Worship is not something that you just think passionately about or just listen to or observe, but that you bring your whole self to, body, mind and soul. So in the context of that first Christmas, we have the scene of the wise men or the magi or the kings or the priests bowing down, some laying on their faces before Christ, which is not only amazing when you think kings would do that to a baby, but a prophetic vision of what all nations will one day do when Christ returns to reign on earth. How can we follow their example and worship Jesus this Christmas? Well, I can think of three reasons to worship Jesus at Christmas time. Firstly, we worship Jesus for who he is. In the scriptures, it says, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's from Matthew chapter 1. Now, this might seem passe to us today, but at the time this was scandalous talk, and not for the reason that you might think, you know, that Mary was pregnant, not yet married, but that the God of the universe would become human flesh and dwell with his people. The Jewish people at the time were not even allowed to say the name of God, Yahweh, out loud. So to suggest the King of Kings, the Most High God, would humble himself in such a way was a scandal and an outrage, blasphemy. But this is exactly who Jesus tells us he is, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. God the Father has revealed himself fully to us through his Son, Jesus. And for this mighty act of grace, we worship him. The second reason we can worship is to worship Jesus for what he has done. The Bible says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because of what we have done, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Now, Paul wrote that in the second letter to Timothy. Now, that very concept is revolutionary in its time. 
an act initiated by and entirely completed by God himself, not because of anything we did, but only and utterly because of what he has done for us. God defeated death through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. God did this, if you like, through the works, the words and the ways of Christ. And in response to that, he calls us to follow him, to be like him, to worship him. Now, he did this for me. By his grace, he forgave my sin, saved my soul, and set me along a lifetime path of becoming more and more like him. Now, when I was 18, I became a Christ follower. And at the point of my decision, he changed me completely. He took my shyness and gave me confidence. He took my many, many wrongs and helped me to start again with a clean slate. And he took the lack of purpose in my life and gave me a new commission to follow and to serve him. And he gave me a new eternity. Pretty cool, huh? About 25 years ago, uh, we had a high school reunion and uh, we caught up with classmates and shared stories and And when they found out what I did for a job now, many of them were shocked and a few laughed and said, you know, that's not the Rick that we remember. And I kind of said, you know, you're right. That's a totally different person. I am a new man and I have Jesus to thank for that, which, you know, got a few funny looks. And I didn't say it then, but I know it now, that that's why I'll worship him forever. The third reason we can worship is to worship Jesus for what he will do. The Bible says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul wrote that in his letter to the Ephesians. Many people have had a difficult few years, yeah? Sickness, sadness, uh, in our case, death of loved ones. And many more have suffered adverse circumstances and have had dreams unfulfilled. I mean, I'd be in that place of having some dreams that I harbour for this church as yet unfulfilled, and it's tough. So I guess I can understand why many people would not want to participate in worship, whether in person or online. But if that scripture is true, and if Jesus is God, then it makes sense to worship him, always. God is able to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. And he's not done with us yet. Let's think about that for a minute. And now think, what was happening at that first Christmas? There was a newborn who hadn't done much yet as the incarnate God-man named Jesus. Just, Just a little tiny baby. He hadn't healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons, or been crucified for us or rise to life. Yet the wise men, these magi, worshipped him what was happening. They worshipped him forward in faith, 
for what he would do according to what he had promised through the scriptures. And in the midst of all the circumstances of our lives, that remains our challenge today. We worship by faith into the more of God, into the immeasurable possibilities of Jesus. So whatever we need or pray for, um, he can do that and more. I started this message by asking, you know, since Christmas is a celebration of Jesus' birth, what do we give him as a gift? What can you give Jesus for his birthday that he really wants and that only you can give? Well, the answer is our worship. And this is what he desires most from us. And in this way, we become the acceptable gift that pleases the heart of God. So I say to you today, as we celebrate Christmas, and as the Apostle Paul said, therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. God bless you.